Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are, uh, it's getting really tiring. We're recapping another two point Knicks loss to a team that they were up on in the fourth quarter, and they blew the game again. Gavin, how do we keep uh, finding ourselves here? What are we going to talk about today? Well, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, Alex. How do we keep finding ourselves here? We're going to get into that. We're going to get into RJ Barrett's uh, career night from behind the arc. That it's it feels like a small positive given how brutal this loss was, but it's it's an immensely big deal. And then we'll finish up um, just just kind of going over our, some of our notes from the game. What we think about Randall, like the ups and downs he had throughout this game, some of some of the late game defensive decisions. And uh, a whole lot more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app and join us this week, today, actually, at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time to get in on the action. We are doing what we call Fan Friday. Of course, it's a Thursday, but we do plan these things around game days so that we're not uh, potentially doing a locker room seconds before a game starting. We do have to eat dinner after all. Uh, so today, 5.30, uh, we are doing a locker room. Download the locker room app on your iOS device. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. And I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's website, The Strickland. You can find us at thestrick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play man by day. And a podcaster by night, like right now. It's nighttime and we are podcasting about yet another Knicks loss. And this one, I don't know that I could say that this stings any more or less than any of the other single-digit losses that the Knicks have had recently. Um, They all sting really bad. This one's just like the... the latest in a death by a thousand cuts, Gavin. Um, Do you want me to just bust out my little... My little stat right now, my big, big time, big brain math stat. Yeah, it's 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 a good one. I, I know you said that somewhat tongue in cheek, but I really, I, I genuinely think it's a good stat. So go right ahead. All right. Well, so since the March fifteenth game versus the Nets, which was what I what I would affectionately call the Knicks hell week, where they had to face it was uh, the Nets, and then they had the Sixers twice, and they faced the Magic, where they they eked out that win versus the Magic. That same week, uh, since that week, the Knicks are five and eight, and of those eight losses, six of them have come by a combined fourteen points, which is only two point three three points per game that the Knicks are losing by right now in those games. If they had won all of those games that they lost again by less than a three pointer each, they could be thirty one and twenty one right now which would put them that this part I didn't look up. Where would that put them in the standings right now? Probably like easily the fourth seed, 
I would say. Let's see. Oh yeah, absolutely. The uh, currently the Hornets are twenty six and twenty four, holding down the four seed. So the Knicks would be about a game to a game and a half behind the Milwaukee Bucks for the three seed in the East right now. Had they been able to close these games, as it turns out, they are now in sole possession of the eighth seed after losing to the Boston Celtics. Um, it just kind of goes to show, guys. I mean, even if they had won half of those games, right, they would be uh, 28 and 24. That would put them solidly in the fourth seed. They would be uh, tied with the Hornets in the loss column, but two ahead in the win column if they had won those games. So, yeah, it's frustrating. Um, I don't know. Like, we wanted to start this one off by just trying to diagnose this problem, right? Like, what is leading to these extremely close, extremely heartbreaking losses that the Knicks keep running into. So what's sort of your first diagnosis of the problem here? Yeah, over the last three games, it's been issues with double teams. First off against the Minnesota Timberwolves, um, Anthony Edwards is backing down R.J. Barrett. R.J. is doing a good job holding his ground in decent position. And Anthony Edwards said after the game, he was like, yeah, I wasn't really sure what to do. There wasn't really an, an obvious play after off of that. Like I kind of tried to ISO and it wasn't really working. And then uh, this is the quote we got into at the end of that Timberwolves pod where he was like, he's like, uh, the, the guard, the guard came to double me, Malik. Who, who was that again? He was like, Reggie Pollock. He's like, no, 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 it wasn't him. And then like the T-Wolves reporter was like, is Alfred Payton. He was like, yeah, yeah, him. He's crazy. Why would he come to double me? And, then, and to double off of one of the better three-point shooters in the NBA in Malik Beasley, Beasley drains a three. It's essentially over at that point. Then last game against the Nets, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Alfred Payton kind of feeling himself. Uh, he's, he's cooking offensively. Waves off the double team that had been consistently working to force Irving to miss shots. The Nets hadn't been very opportunistic about cutting off of it or, or like swinging the ball around. And, and and they weren't really taking advantage of the fact that the Knicks were just hardcore doubling um, their point guard. Kyrie even turned it over a few times off the double. And, and instead of just sticking with that strategy that had been working, Elf kind of said, like, I got this. And it I, it's it's hard to gauge just from watching on TV, but it looked like in the moment that Tibbs w- was sort of approving because from what we've gathered about Tibbs, like he loves that mono mono action over over what's logical. Sometimes, not not in all situations, but sometimes he's like, yeah, I, I, want, I want attitude. He, he's, he's about the vibe more than, I, I won't say more than the results, but more than the process. Occasionally, occasionally, not, not, a, not a universal accusation. Anyways, we all know how that ends. Kyrie bombs a three in his face, gets up to 40 points. And that game is all but over at that point. Tonight, um, Jason Tatum double teamed again. Uh, this time, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Reggie Bullock helping off of Marcus Smart, or maybe maybe it was RJ. Was it Elf? I, I don't even remember who did it. But um, it, it leads to Marcus Smart just nailing a wide open three. And again, game not officially over, but essentially over on that point. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff you could point to, Alex. Rebounding. Um, lack of structure on offense is a big one and just kind of giving it to Julius Randle and saying like, go ahead, big fella, create something. But the double teaming, um, either doing it to a degree of excess or the lack of it has been a theme the last three games. Yeah, I agree. I I think that the double teaming and, and just poor defensive execution down the stretch in general has been a big one. I mean, there's been other you know, things too, where the, the Knicks have just allowed, you know, different guys to cut uh, and, and get baskets or, you know, what, what have you, or just bad fouls, you know, that goes all the way back to, I, I mean, some of them have been bad foul calls as well. I, you know, that kind of goes back to like 
the Sixers games where those were decided so much by foul calls down the stretch, uh, such as the one where Julius quote unquote pushed off on Tobias Harris. And that leads to Tobias Harris getting two free throws. They win the game. But I think that a big part of it too, is just that down the stretch, it feels like the Knicks just, I don't know if they're just trying to grind the pace to a halt to essentially protect the lead or what, but it, or maybe they're just tired. I mean, you sort of noted this on, on Twitter tonight, but you know, a common theme among Tibbs teams is that there's, you know, there's a certain point where guys start to kind of get tuckered out because they play so many minutes and you need like real top level athletes on his team. And I do think that he has two guys that are perfect for him in that regard with, with RJ and Randall. But the, the only problem is that Randall and, and again, another person on Twitter, uh, our buddy, John Schmilk from WFAN uh, noted this as well, but like, you know, Julius seems still hurt from his, his bone bruise or whatever on his thigh. He had the contused thigh from when Elf like went up for a rebound and need him in the thigh a week and a half or whatever ago. And, you know, he seems like he's still slowed down by that or something else. Clyde even noted at one point during the broadcast, like Randall came down a little funny. He was grabbing at his knee and kind of like massaging it on the court, you know, and uh, while some free throws were being shot and he doesn't show it when he's, when he's playing, you know, he could just kind of place through it, but you could tell that his, his lift is a little off for whatever reason. So that's another thing. And then the last thing I guess is just like the, the offense, you know, which is the point I was trying to get to a minute ago, but the offense, they basically just kind of grind it to a halt down the stretch and just say, okay, we're just going to ISO the crap out of this. And I don't know if that's meant to be a time burning maneuver or what the deal is there, but whatever the case is, whatever is making them think that's a good idea, they need to just stop and not do that anymore because they play so much better when they're moving the ball around and they, they find guys for shots better that way. And, you know, they, they put guys, honestly, they have a lot of talented players, but this Knicks team is not built around like one mega transcendent, like game winning superstar type that you can just keep going to and going to and going to down the stretch. You know, as much as Randall is that on some nights, he plays best when he's playing within the flow of an offense that gives him options of, hey, I could drive in and, and kick this ball out. Or I can, you know, if the defense doesn't help enough on me, then I'll take it. Or, you know, whatever. He plays better with different options. RJ Barrett plays better out of designed actions, not just being given the ball and told to create. Uh, God forbid you give it to Alfred Payton and ask him to create at the end of the game. I mean, that's just like the worst possible offense that you could ever have. And yet tonight, the like big move down the stretch uh, was at one point, Alfred Payton getting the ball with 11 seconds, dribbling five seconds off the clock and taking a pull up three, which by some like miracle he made, but he had no business making that three. And he probably only made it because he was not being defended hardly at all. Cause why would you, but it's just, you know, the, the late game, offensive execution is just really whack. Like for a guy who's supposed to be kind of a coaching mastermind like Tibbs, you would hope for something better than what he's been offering uh, as far as late game offense and getting this team really going. But Gavin, this is, this is really, it's getting on my nerves. It's making me kind of stressed out. Uh, I'm kind of wondering if there's anything out there that could help me decompress a little and uh, start to sort of shake this loss off and all these losses recently. Alex, when I'm stressed, the one thing really over anything else in the world I found that helps me out is meditation. And the best place to meditate 
is with Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there's a pocket-sized guide that helps you sleep, focus, act, be better, get over horrible Knicks losses? That's in the script. There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the fields of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions. Their members, including myself, swear by. I actually use it, Alex, almost every single night since Headspace was nice enough to throw us uh, a temporary free membership. I have been falling asleep to Headspace. It is great. I, I don't know what I'm going to have to do, with, do without it. I might just have to get the app. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I personally started meditating about two years ago. I'm someone who, who deals with like anxiety, depression, um, certainly stress on an ongoing basis. And, and frankly, for most of my life, did not do a very good job handling it. Um, I still have a lot of room to improve. But the days I meditate frequently, uh, there's a pretty high correlation between that and feeling my best. And it's a great way to, to in the moment, you feel stressed, angry, um, again, just not able to sleep. It, it's a really, really good way of dealing with those emotions. And you come out of it feeling a lot better than when you went into it. And Headspace is one of the best places to do that because they're backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash LockedOnNBA today. And today's episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. I'm sure you've heard me talk about rockauto.com before. Maybe, you know, you go and you meditate using Headspace and then you want to go out and use your newfound inner peace to have some time alone with your car to fix it up a little bit, make some repairs. It's very zen. I don't know. I don't know if any of you work on your car. I do occasionally, just minor repairs. I don't trust myself with any heavy engine work or anything, but I'll do cosmetic repairs and things of that nature. And it's fun. It's fun if you're if you're into using your hands and you know just doing something that puts you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but you learn something new in the process. I love changing a taillight or something. It's it's a great time. But you know if you if you try to go level up a little bit and start getting some you know bigger jobs, some some bigger parts to do on your car, RockAuto.com is the place to go. That's because they have parts for every make and model of car. It's actually insanity if you go on their website. Log on to rockauto.com. You'll be greeted with a really easy to sort through list of all makes of cars. And it's a really no frills website in the best possible type of way. Just all the makes of cars listed there right when you come up. You don't have to go through a million sub menus. Click on your make a car. Click on the year, the model, the trim package. And then you're just greeted with this perfectly easy to sort through list of parts for your car sorted into categories. And usually with multiple options per part. I bought a new tow package for my car last year. I had about uh, probably like 10 different options I could have chosen from. Uh, anything ranging from hitch size adapter to tow capacity 
everything. There's all kinds of stuff that I could I could get different uh, based off of which one I would pick up. I picked sort of a middle of the road model with a, a nice size hitch adapter that I could use for like a bike rack for my wife and I. So it's it's great stuff. Really, really great website and easy to sort through. And the best part is you get the best prices no matter what on rockauto.com. They're giving you the same price that they would give to anyone. They're not giving mechanics a better rate like those brick and mortar auto part places do. So if you want to see what parts are available for your car or truck, head to rockauto.com right now. And if you decide to pick one up, right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and we're done with our first ad break. And we're back to Locked On Knicks, but if you're interested in what's going on around sports, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport, with the help of our local experts, sometimes they call upon us for that. We put on our expert hat and go on Locked On Today. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And that is A-U-D-A-C-Y, Odyssey app. Really great app where you can find all your favorite Locked On podcasts, plus probably a whole bunch of other podcasts as well. But definitely Locked On Knicks, Locked On Today, maybe a little Locked On NBA draft action on the Odyssey app. Uh, at any rate... We're back talking about this game. And Gavin, we have gone long enough talking about these doldrums of Nixdom. And I'm ready to talk about RJ Barrett and the fact that he scored 29 points in this game, 10 of 14 shooting, 6 of 6 from 3. That is right, 6 of 6 from 3. Do you remember when we were doing like, oh, I, I feel like I've brought up the Steph would be perfect on the Knicks thing like 10 times now. Do you remember when we were doing one of those? And I was like, yeah, I guess... You know, RJ would be like your Clay Thompson, but like obviously not as good as Clay, you know, as a shooter or whatever, but he's different. You know, it'd be it would be different. I don't know, man. How different is he? He just hit six of six from three in this game. And I think he's like I think over his last two games that makes him like ten of eleven or something. I think he was four or five last game. Uh, just insanity. He's like shooting so good right now. It's it looks so automatic. And I I like I think he might have legitimately raised his his shooting percentage from three by like a full percentage point just with this game tonight. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, in in the act of that, he's raising his ceiling as a player. We, we've talked about it again and again and again. Like, what's what's ultimately going to be the swing skill for RJ? It's his shooting that defines every single part of his game. He, he's someone with good but not great athleticism. Has that deacceleration? Has a solid handle? has pretty good touch around the basket, is super-duper strong. But in the playoffs, that's not going to be enough against the best defenses in the NBA if you can't shoot. And and all game, opposing teams can say, all right, but we're just going to play you for the drive the entire time. It just caps what you can be. And and it doesn't mean you can't be a really good player. You can still be a DeMar DeRozan, like someone who's had his share of pretty good runs in the postseason. Um, You you can be a great contributor without being – a high level three point shooter. Like as long as you're, you're solid. And that, that's what he was for most of the season. He was like 33%. If you're a plus three point shooter with all those other skills, all of a sudden you're talking about a star and, and a guy whose best case scenario is maybe even better than that. Maybe it's the second best guy on a title team all of a sudden. And we, we've, we've said it, me more so than you, Alex, in, in such a self assured way, he's not going to be that guy. 
We don't know that anymore because the shooting he's showing right now says you can't really put a cap on what R.J. Barrett could eventually be. There's still a lot of ifs there. He has to do it over a larger sample size. He's just now starting to dabble in off-the-dribble three-point shooting. I I mentioned it, that that one dribble pull-up against the Nets. I I thought that was a monumental moment, a monumental play for him because it's so rare we've seen him hit those in rhythm at a key moment in a game against a good team. Tonight, big moment after big moment because this game was so close. Every shot felt crucial, and he uh, he couldn't do any better. He made literally every single one of them. And, And you combine that with everything else he did in this game, and he did a lot. Like, opening of the game, gets right to the rim, draws a foul. Um, splits two defenders in transition, has this like insane high-arcing finish that, again, last season, it wasn't even just a three-point shooting. He was really, really struggling around the basket as well. Got another layup just by running the floor in transition off of a deep assist from Julius Randle. And, and then got involved with the passing, like hit Reggie Bullock on the wing with, with an absolute bullet off of a live dribble. And, and those are the, that, that's kind of the pass we've been harping on him to make all year. It's starting to come with a lot more consistency. Snake to pick and roll. Um, had Marcus Smart on his back kind of like quickly. It was, it was a little case of booty jail. Then hit Taj, Then hits Taj Gibson with the wraparound. I, I won't go over every single one, Alex, but the combination of, of passing and shooting and driving, th- this, was, this was the complete RJ game we, we've been begging for all season. It's exactly what you want to see. And, and to me, at least, I, I would I, – maybe a lot of people won't disagree with me on this. I, I would almost prefer – seeing that kind of game from R.J. Barrett than the Knicks win because Derrick Rose has 30 or Alec Burks or Reggie Bullock has another great game. We, we got to keep some perspective on this. The biggest thing for the Knicks this season is still development. It, it, it might even still be getting a high draft pick. And I, I know that's not what people want to hear. I, I know I'm, I'm in the minority on that. And, and even for me, someone who has that perspective, all this is painful. But what R.J. Barrett did tonight, maybe it should have led our show because it's ultimately more important than what's happening to the Knicks late in these games. Yeah, I, I don't have too much more to add to that except for, all right, guess. So RJ Barrett was shooting 35.9% from three coming into tonight's game. Guess what he's shooting after this game? Sorry, what was what was the initial number? 35.9% pre All right, I'm going to say he's up game. to 36.6. He is at 37.967%. Oh Jesus. So he is now, after tonight's game, he's a 38% three-point shooter for the season. Wow. He really, that means he really, I mean, I guess he did go through stretches this year where he was only taking like two or three per game, but that, that's still nuts. Yeah. He's averaging three and a half attempts per game. So it's not like he's averaging absolutely nothing, but that just goes to show how much a six of six shooting performance from three can do for you. Uh, absolute insanity. So on that note, uh, I think we can, I think we can end this segment with that bombshell number and maybe tell people how they can bet the over on RJ's three-point makes for next game because that's seeming like a good bet right now. Well, Alex, there's only one place to do it, and that is Bet Online, our favorite place in the whole wide world to bet the RJ over and just about anything else. It's the fastest and easiest way to put money down on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They give you real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today. 
to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. If this is a very big if, use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, we are back. Third and final segment on Locked On Knicks, where we tell you everything there is to know about the Knicks. But if you want to get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft, we'll, we'll do a bit of that. But if you want it on a full-time basis, you can get that with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y app. You can also get Locked On Knicks on there or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, third and final segment. We, we, we talked through the end of game. Uh, I'm trying to think of the right word to sum it up. I don't know if there's a word in, in the English language bad enough, so I'll, I'll just leave that be. Uh, we talked about R.J. Barrett's heroics throughout. What else do you want to get to? Third segment. It's your world, Alex. Wolf. What, what are we talking about? Oh, man. All this pressure. Um, you know what? I kind of want to talk about the lack of Emmanuel quickly playing time. It was kind of bizarre to me in this game because I thought that quickly was playing probably his best minutes in the last, like, I don't know, three weeks or so. I'm trying to think the last time that he had a game that really was like a, a huge standout like this to me. And it's really bizarre to me that he only walked out of this game with 13 minutes. Like I think nine of those came in the first half and that was his really good stretch. I'm actually, I'm looking that up on NBA stats right now. Let's see. Yeah. He played eight minutes and 36 seconds in the first half. Uh, finished those that eight thirty six with uh, five points and one rebound, two assists and was a plus three in those eight and a half minutes. And I thought it was, you know, like I said, some of his best minutes that he's played probably in the last like month almost. I mean, he's he's had his struggles for sure, particularly with efficiency. But, you know, he made his only three. He was two or three shooting overall. He was looking to get others involved really well. You know, I, th- I thought that he made some really fantastic passes uh, to find some guys, including, you know, first he drove base. There was this one possession that was probably like the the one if you want to point to like how IQ like affected the game so well, like he drove baseline and drew the defenders in hit Obi Toppin with a nice wraparound pass along the baseline in the corner. Obi misses the three and then quickly, you know, it ended up out of bounds just because of his momentum keeps his head up, watches the ball starts making a beeline when he sees the, the rebound rebound trajectory and jumps up and taps it out to, I think it was, Burks at that moment. It was either Burks or Bullock. I'm pretty sure it was Burks. Yeah, it was Burks. It was Burks. Yeah. Uh, tips it out to Burks, who then makes a three-pointer from the top of the three-point line. And that was just a brilliant play by IQ. And, you know, he was he was hustling like crazy. I thought he was defending pretty well. Um, and, again, he was, he was looking to get others involved on offense. Like, he had a lot of really nice passes, and he wasn't forcing things at all. He looked like he was letting the game come to him. It was exactly what you want to see out of him. And then he just ends up barely playing. And, you know, meanwhile, Derek Rose played 13 and a half minutes in the first half. And in the second half, Rose played 13 minutes again, you know, and most of that was like straight minutes and, you know, quickly only ends up with four and a half minutes just at the start of the fourth quarter. Alfred Payton in total. I'm looking up his total now too. I had to have two minutes, 21 and a half minutes. 
you know, I just I thought Elf was playing horrible in this game. So it was really bizarre to me that, you know, quickly wound up drawing the short straw in this game when normally in the past Tibbs has been pretty good. Like when quickly was really, really on, you know, back weeks ago, Tibbs was pretty good about being like, yeah, if quickly's playing good, then, you know, Elf, sorry, you're on the bench tonight, particularly when, you know, Elf was like, I think he was over over three in the first half and put up like the classic, like zero, 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 zero line and had three turnovers on top of it. It was just like, why is he even starting the second half? Why is he playing period? It's just, I don't know. I, I really long for the days when the Knicks had, <laughs> this is crappy to say, but I wish that there was some way other than Alfred Payton getting injured that Elf could end up on the bench and quickly could end up starting because I miss the days when, when quickly was starting, I don't want to wish injury on Alfred Payton, but like I, you know, there needs to be a point where Tibbs can just say, okay, I think that, that we've reached the point where, you know, maybe giving quickly more minutes, it both helps us for building this foundation that we're trying to build, that we're very loudly proclaiming that we're building and also helps us win games. Uh, Cause I just, I don't know, you know, we already went over earlier in the episode, you know, you went over the the defensive gaffes and so many of them have been directly related to things that Alfred Payton's doing. And it's like, okay, so if, if he's going to harm you on defense down the stretch in a game and he's not going to give you anything on offense that's useful down the stretch of a game, like three-point shooting to let Julius Randle have the whole paint to himself or RJ Barrett have the whole paint to himself and help space the floor then like, why are you playing Alfred Payton over Emmanuel quickly at this point? It's just, I, I feel like we, <laughs> I feel like almost every episode ends up with at least one of these rants about Alfred Payton and his lack of utility, but it, it just needs to keep being said because it keeps being true. And I, I also don't think that it's that big of a coincidence that the Knicks have been playing as poorly as they have in the time since Alfred Payton got back from injury and has been soaking up 20 to 30 minutes per game again at the point guard spot, including starting and closing games when the Knicks tend to have their worst showings lately. It's just, it boggles the mind, Gavin. That's that's where I'm at with that one. But yeah, the quickly situation, very perplexing to me tonight. Yeah, I think it's, it's weird. I think Tibbs consistently has this perception, like I, I don't want quickly in there against either like really high level offensive guards. Like if you remember when they played Golden State earlier in the year, and I remember pregame, there was this story. I think Mark Berman did it about how quickly like idolized Steph Curry and was so excited to play against him. And, and, and Tibbs would very intentionally just, just pull him whenever Steph came in, but it would only play him I mean, by consequence when Steph was out of the game. Um, and tonight, weirdly enough, even though the Celtics were missing Kemba Walker I, and Evan Fournier, I feel like this was almost another example of that where he was kind of scared of having quickly go against Marcus Smart because again he is like this perception of I mean at least this is, this is my understanding of it of like Alfred Payton just having that quote unquote like dog mentality and like he's gonna get after and he's gonna match Marcus Smart snarl for snarl and and physically he's not gonna get overwhelmed by Marcus Smart and that's all well and good and maybe on paper like I would say definitely on paper definitely in real life Alfred Payton is is literally physically stronger than Emmanuel quickly but what are the Celtics gonna do they're gonna build their whole offense around smart backing down Emmanuel quickly. And I know this is a straw man. I know this isn't what Tibbs is saying, but this is what I'm drawing from these decisions. And it's the only logic I can kind of put down. The issue with it is none of the numbers back up that the Knicks are a better defensive team 
with Elf in the game than when IQ is in the game. And I remember um, Jack um, had had that tweet um, just showing like the on off numbers with with quickly versus Elf, and 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 it's it's what they were all season. Like there, there's an insane difference. They're so much better um, when IQ's with RJ and Julius than when Elf is with RJ and Julius. And Tib said, yeah, but there's like a lot of noise in in those numbers. You got to look who they're going against. Like obviously, if RJ and Julius are getting minutes against backups. Um, they're going to dominate those minutes. And I, I would respond, yeah, that's totally fair, Tibbs. But when it's like a 20-point difference, it's a little bit more than white noise. And and especially when the eye test is backing that up, that quickly is just the better player. And in general, over the last couple of games, I haven't had a huge issue with it because quickly has really, really been struggling. But to your point tonight, like when IQ finally gets back in rhythm, finally seems like he's getting his swagger back. Like you you, you talked about that play. It, it was a personal 8-0 run from him. He got into the lane, got a floater. Then then he made that pass the top and got the rebound, kick out to Burks three, comes back down, hits a three of his own. He, he, he was swinging the momentum by himself. It's what we saw from him earlier in the season. You got to let him build on that. And instead, he just doesn't see the floor um, on this whole key stretch of the game. And you talk about struggles and end of game offense. End of game offense for your two stars, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett. You also, Alex, brilliantly, I might add, made this point. It's hard for those two to do work because they're not Jason Tatum. They're not LeBron James. They're not Damian Lillard. They're really good offensive players, but they're not top two, three percentile in the NBA. They need a little help. At the very least, they need a little space around them. Elford gives them none. IQ gives them a whole lot of it. So that's where it gets really, really egregious in my mind. But Alex, I guess that's that's a good note to wrap up on. Do you do you have any like quick thoughts on, on Randall? And because I, I thought it was it was a weird night for him in that I thought for most of the game, like I was I found myself again writing down, ah, oh, he looks a little slow. Oh wait, did he like did Breen just say, Oh yeah, he did. He came up limping after that play. That's kind of weird. That's not good. The final stats for him, like given the standard he set this season, pretty meh. Nine for 23 from the field, only took two free throws, only two for six from three, just 22 points. I know, just 22 points. Nine boards, six assists, he, he, three steals, one block is really good. Um, and he had he had moments in this game, right? Like he, he made like a lot of his traditional really tough jumpers. He had an insane block that drew a jump ball uh, on Robert Time Lord Williams. My favorite play of the entire game from from probably anyone he got out in transition, in and out dribble, completely dusts Jason Tatum, gets into the lane, finishes over Peyton Pritchard. That that was a thing of beauty, but he just doesn't quite look himself. There's not enough oomph there. He had that one play in the first half on Grant Williams, right, where he's backing him down, backing him down, reverse spin into the lane, kind of like an up and under layup. It was really, really nice, and it, and it was I, I kind of got like a little buzz off of it. I said, oh, that's the Julius I'm looking for. That's the guy we saw through the first 30 games of the season, first 40 games of the season, maybe even the first 50. Um, but ever since, whether it was that quad injury or if it's just the minutes catching up to him, I, I think it's a combination of both and, and just the strain of having to carry this team. A- again, because of uh, Alfred Payton being out there in really claustrophobic situations, I, I think you're seeing the weight of all of that, Alex, start to catch up uh, um, to him. I, I know in the past, though, you've resisted the minutes narrative are you starting to believe it a little bit, or do you think it's just that that quad injury is just really an ongoing thing with him? I think it's the quad injury, okay. to be honest. It's, it seems like he's playing hurt to me, because the thing is, so I thought that he actually, you know, other than the stuff that you mentioned, I thought that one thing that I noticed from him tonight was really pushing the pace in, like, a great way. Like, he was, he was getting, you know, running downhill in transition a lot. He had that one uh, nice one where he had Peyton Pritchard on the other end you know, went up for the layup there uh, in transition with a one-on-one and like 
I mean, he he created enough room in front of him from Pritchard, who had a head start and is a guard, and Randall's a forward. That you know, I, I thought that that looked pretty good. You know, he he was mostly doing stuff that made you think, okay, he's he's solid. You know, he's he's having a pretty good game. Maybe a little off shooting, but by and large, he seemed to be moving pretty well. But then it seems like pretty much any any game anymore, there's one moment where he steps a little weird on a rebound or a defensive play or whatever. And then you go, ah, oh, crap. You know, it looks like then Clyde always mentions, you know, Clyde is always the one that noticed these things. He'll be like, oh, Randall's limping a little bit. And, you know, that that's just sort of the story every single game. And from that point on, it seems like his lift goes away and he has a much harder time at it. And it's usually late in the game. But here's the thing. Like, I think that the nature of Randall's injury, if the Knicks were like a legitimately good team, like let's say that the Nets were or the Knicks were the Nets or something like that, um, or the Bucks or, you know, whatever, then I think Randall would sit. You know, he would sit for like two to three games and they'd be like, Yeah, he's hurting, you know, and just be like, It's for maintenance, you know, like he has to he has to get healthy, you know, because we can't have him like this for the stretch run and then for the playoffs. But the reality is is that even Randall at whatever he's at right now, like let's say 80%, like, I don't think this is a huge injury, but it's enough that it's been affecting him late in games. You know, even Randall 80% affects winning so much for the Knicks that like, if you sit him against any of the teams that they've been playing recently, like any decent teams. And I mean, I don't even know if you can quite qualify it with that because even the Timberwolves came back on them and won, you know, with Randall even out there, you know? So it's like, even with Randall, the Knicks are not, you know, a a surefire win team against almost any team right now. And, you know, if if you don't have him out there, you're almost just like waving the white flag for the night and saying, okay, you know, we're done for today. You know, that that's it. There was the one game where he sat the only game this year that he sat that the Knicks did end up winning, but really just barely came out of the game with a win. Um, And, you know, that was kind of, it was against a bad team, which is why the Knicks even felt empowered to sit him. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. It's, it's a conundrum. Cause I, I don't want him to potentially be putting all this strain on himself, potentially hurt himself worse for trying to compensate for this thing. That's clearly bothering him. Uh, but I also, <laughs> I don't want to just watch the Knicks concede like two straight games because Randall has to sit to get better. I, I guess maybe at a certain point though, although Tibbs will never look at it this way. Cause if, if Randall says he's good to go, which he will, Tibbs will play him every time, but you know, if they would make that decision to sit him, I'd be curious if I could have like a alternate timeline projector where I could see like, okay, if the Knicks sit Randall for two games right now, even if they lose them, would that give him enough healing time to be a lot fresher for the stretch run and to be able to actually win the Knicks some games down the stretch? I don't know. It's a weird conundrum to look at, but uh, yeah, to, to get back to the initial question that you were saying like I don't I don't think it's a minutes thing because he comes out every game looking good I I think it's just there's always that turning point where he seems to you know re-aggravate this apparently really bad thigh bruise um you know contusion the fancy word for it but um you know those sort of things can act up you know just consistently until you kind of give them time to heal and you know if he's not doing that then it it might just stick around for a while 
Yeah, Alex, I was going to say, you got to go into the uh, Loki Disney Plus show, hit up the Time Bureau, and, and just check out some alternate <laughs> timelines. That, that, that or just ask really Doctor good. Strange to look into 14 million different futures for me. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, we, well, you got to – the time stone's broken. But, yeah, all right, we can, we can debate this post-show. All right, that's it for <laughs> Locked On Knicks. Great way to end. Uh, tough loss for the Knicks. But, again, I, just, I want everyone to keep their eyes on the prize. R.J. Barrett going six for six for three. That I, it doesn't feel this way. It sounds like I'm just kind of twisting this, being glass half full. That is that is the prize. That is the big deal. Anyways, on that note, this was locked on Knicks. Join us tomorrow on Locker Room at 5:30 p.m. Today, Eastern. technically speaking. Oh right, I right. Mean, today, most people are probably listening on Thursday. <laughs> I always I always get that messed up. Yeah, this this will not be up before midnight. Anyways, um, today, join us 5:30 on Locker Room. Um, we will be answering all your questions and. Anyone who wants to talk has gotten to talk. We, we've No one has been so bad talking that we've edited them out of the podcast yet. I've, I've, I've been tempted once or twice. That's not true. Everyone's been excellent. So you can make an appearance on Locked on Knicks. All you got to do is join us in Locker Room. Have a conversation with us tomorrow, and we'll see you. Talk to you then. Until then, be good. Peace out.